John chapter 3. Uh, maybe use something like the Version app on your phone too. Uh, feel free to, to go there with us. John chapter uh, 3. We'll, uh, we'll spend the majority of our time there and get to that text uh, in just a moment. Uh, we are in the uh, final week of a series we've been in here at Genesis called Bad Coffee Mugs, uh, where we've been talking about different slogans or uh, different messages uh, that we see that we come up against, uh, slogans that, that sound nice, all right? And, and when we see these slogans, the, the truth is, and, and not with all of them, but, but with some of them, there might be some truth uh, in them. And, uh, and so we might, we might put them on something like a coffee mug because they sound good. But again, we see these phrases. There might be some truth in them, but for the most part, uh, they're misleading and even some cases, untrue messages. And so way back at the beginning of the series, Kevin Russell kicked us off and uh, covered this statement, we're all children of God. Uh, and two weeks ago, uh, Ben, our Noblesville campus pastor, was here talking about the phrase, God wants me to be happy. And uh, last week, Steve talked about the responsibility uh, in all of us to, to share the good news of Christ uh, with others. I want to point out, I'm just so thankful we've got a great teaching team. And it just gets me excited to, to be able to preach alongside of these guys. But if you missed any of these messages, I'd encourage you to go to our website or our podcast uh, and check these out. But today, I, I want to finish this up and I want to talk about a message uh, that I believe that most of us have probably seen, and, and maybe not on something like a coffee mug. I mean, it's probably more likely you've seen this on a bumper sticker, uh, maybe on the car in front of you in traffic. Uh, it's possible that for some of you, you might have this sticker uh, even on your car. But no matter where you've seen it, uh, it's a message or it's a philosophy that you're likely to run up against more and more uh, in our culture today. And it's this popular message, Coexist. All right, how, how many of you have seen this message before? I'm guessing all of us uh, have seen this message. You've seen this bumper sticker before, coexist. Uh, the C, uh, the crescent moon and the star represents Islam. Uh, the O there, or the, the peace symbol, the karma symbol, uh, represents Buddhism. Uh, the E, and, and as I was studying this, there, there's some kind of different understandings of what that E means. The, the male symbol's in there, the female symbol's in there. So maybe equality, more science or uh, uh, an equation of sorts. Some, some would explain it. There's the Star of David, which, re, which represents uh, Judaism. Uh, the I with the pentagram there and the dot uh, representing paganism uh, or Wicca. Uh, the yin-yang symbol, I think it's called, uh, representing Hinduism. And then finally, the T or the cross uh, representing Christianity. And here, when, when we see this, I want to point out first that I, that I recognize, and as I was studying this, everyone interprets this message uh, differently. And so because there are different interpretations of what a banner like this stands for, I want to first point out some truth or some good that I think comes from even a message like this. And here's what I mean. For example, if this, if this message or if this banner stands for religious freedom uh, in our country, I'm all for that, right? I, I think every one of us would agree that we're all for religious freedom. I mean, we, we get to gather here today because of the religious freedom uh, that we have in, in our country. Uh, if this symbol, if we go back to that symbol for just a moment, if this symbol represents things like uh, tolerance, uh, and respect for one another. I'm for that. Now, when I say tolerance, I'm talking about tolerance that uh, the way it used to be defined in this world, and that is that you get an opinion, I get an opinion, and we can be okay with that. Like, we can be okay with those differences, uh, even in our opinions. Uh, if a message like this uh, reminds us of, of friendship and of getting to know others around us, building relationships with the people that God has put in our lives, again, I can get behind a message like that. Uh, if it means going to great lengths to live at peace with everyone, 
Again, who wouldn't of us, you know, say, you know what, I, I can agree with something like that. I mean, I can support a message like that. It was the Apostle Paul that wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, that if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Uh, how, many, how many of you have ever ridden the Megabus before? Anybody ever taken the adventure of the Megabus? Like, everybody should do it once. Like, it ought to be a bucket list thing uh, for everybody to, to ride the Megabus uh, at least once. And I, I may have shared this with you before, but I took a trip to Chicago a couple of years back, and I wanted to save some money, uh, not have to pay to park downtown, and I wanted to be able to do some work uh, on my journey as well, and so I took the Megabus. And so I went down to Indianapolis and got on the bus and, again, rode it to Chicago. And I ended up sitting behind a guy uh, who re reclined his chair right into my lap. Like, I mean, it, it was really invading my space. I mean, there was something wrong with the chair. I mean, it, it was right on me. And so if you've ever been in that predicament before, you know how frustrating that can be. And we were just getting started. And so I kind of decided, well, I'll just, I'll give it a little subtle bump, you know, just kind of remind him that I'm back here and maybe he'll move it up a bit. Instead, he turned around and gave me this look that said, if you bump my seat again, your final destination won't be Chicago. And, uh, and so I didn't touch his seat. I promise you for the rest uh, of that trip. And so thankfully made it there all in one piece, spent a couple of days at a conference and then I had to ride the mega bus back. And so I had a strategy for coming home. And that was, I'm going to get to the bus early, all right? I'm going to get there as soon as I can so I can get on the bus and choose my seat. And so I did. I got on the bus and I found two seats where the rail was right in front of me. And so I said, hey, nobody reclining uh, on me. And so I sat down in this seat and then I, I did this other thing too. And if you fly or if you take a bus or whatever, maybe you've done this where you, you take your bag and you set it in the other seat, you know, just as kind of a way of maybe people will pass by thinking, oh, he's got somebody that he's traveling with. And so, I, you know, we'll see how far I can get. Well, wouldn't you know it? It's about time to leave and no one is sitting in the seat next to me and the bus is getting ready to pull out and one more guy jumps on the bus and wouldn't you know it, I got to take my bag and put it on the floor so that he uh, can sit with me. Well, uh, the bus pulled out of Chicago and I introduced myself to this guy by the name of Armin. And Armin and I started talking, come to find out Armin was a graduate student from Iran, uh, a Muslim uh, man. And all I can say is that for the next three hours, we had an incredible conversation about life, about our histories, about our families and faith. He was very curious when he found out that I was a pastor. And he was asking me questions about my faith. And I, I just kind of watched those barriers come down where I could really ask him some very honest questions about his faith and just even some perceptions that I had developed, you know, and watching the news and reading the headlines. And it was just fascinating to me that, you know what, we are so moved, we are so influenced by headlines, but to actually sit there with someone else and get to know his heart, and to hear where he was. And um, before I had gotten on the bus that day, I did manage to run into a sub shop and purchase a sandwich. My intent was to eat it on the way home. And I was getting hungry, and I was thinking to myself, well, I don't, it's going to be weird if he doesn't have any food. And so I offered him part of my sandwich, and so I tore it in half. And we'll come to find out he had some fruit. He had an orange. He peeled that orange. And we sat there together, and we shared a meal on the bus. And again, just talked and encourage one another. I took a picture uh, of me and Armin, felt like a little teenager here, snapping a selfie. Uh, but this was before uh, we got off the bus there in Indianapolis. And I just want you to know, I didn't lead him to Christ. In fact, I didn't even try. But it was amazing for me to just be there and to get to know him and just even ask the Lord, God, what, what were you doing with a moment like this? You know, just reminding me of people who are, who are far from you and people who have uh, questions, 
Uh, but at the same time, you know, growing, growing my heart as well. And just again, the respect that came out of a conversation like that. And I pray that God used that interaction to help Armin understand a little bit more uh, about what I believe about the gospel, about the good news uh, of Jesus. And so I tell you all that to say, you know, we can find some truth in a message like coexist. But here's where a message uh, like coexist becomes a challenge for me and maybe for some of you uh, as a follower of Christ. I mean, if you if you peel back the layers, uh, the heart or the intent of this message is this idea that it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. All religions are the same. Uh, to use the analogy of a mountain, uh, the message of coexist is like this picture of a mountain where, where God or uh, purpose or consciousness is at the very top. And uh, there are all these paths that lead up to the mountain, to the top of the mountain, to the peak of the mountain. And it doesn't matter which path you take. Again, they all lead to the same place. All roads, the message of coexist is that all roads lead to the same God. Now, why does this present a problem for us as Christ followers? Why is this a bad mess- message? Well, it runs counter to everything we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. It runs counter to everything that we built our faith upon, our salvation upon as followers of Jesus. And if you don't believe me, let's look to Jesus. Look at the exclusive claim that Jesus made in another place in John. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it was Jesus that said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the very foundation of our faith as Christians is built upon this claim that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. I mean, he clearly believed, Jesus himself clearly believed that a person could only be assured of forgiveness, could only be assured of eternal life with God through exercising personal faith in him. And it's not just Jesus either. I mean, look at the words of the apostle Peter uh, in Acts chapter four, verse 12. It was Peter that said salvation. Uh, now, when he talks about salvation and he's talking about the forgiveness of sins, he's talking about peace with God. He's talking about the hope that we can have for eternal life after death. He says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Look at what also the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. He says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And it was not only uh, Paul and Peter, but there were other men and women who followed Jesus Christ. And they, and they believed this message uh, of Jesus as the only way to heaven uh, to the core. And so for this reason, many of them are going to be martyred and executed for their faith. And not because they believe that Jesus was one of many gods, but they were executed for their faith because they believe that Jesus is God. And because of their faith and because of their passion, they shared to tell others about Christ they were willing to die. See, here's the thing. The central message of the coexist movement is that it doesn't matter what you believe. All religions are same. All faith is equal. All roads lead to God. But the message of Christianity is that there is only one way to God and one way to salvation. And it is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, let me just say this. I realize that that might encourage some of you. All right, maybe even many of you. But at the same time, I also realize that for some of you, you may be thinking to yourself, you know what, I couldn't disagree more. Or, or you may be thinking things like, you know what, it's this sort of thinking that's very dangerous uh, and divisive in our world right now. Uh, maybe you'd say, you know, it's a big white uh, people 
uh, hate Christianity, hate the church today, or maybe you're thinking, you know what, this opinion is just way too narrow, or it's old school, or it's arrogant. I just want you to know this. This isn't about arrogance. All right, this isn't about a lack of concern for people who see things differently than, when, than, than, than you or I do. It's, it's not about you or me being any more deserving you know, than someone who may disagree with you. The goal for us is not to win arguments. The goal is to win others to Christ. The, the goal is not to win arguments. It's all about winning people to Christ. And if you are in Christ here today, you have been given both an incredible gift and an incredible responsibility at the very same time. Jesus told us to go and make disciples. He wants to use you and me. He wants to use this church to help people find their way back to God. We have a great responsibility, a responsibility to know what we believe and why we believe. And at the same time, again, God wants to use us. Man, as Steve talked about here last week, you know, it's not enough to just believe all right? It's not enough to just express love in our actions. And sometimes it means we've got to share it with our words too. We've got to invest in others for the sake of sharing the hope and salvation that can be found in Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to do with the rest of our time today. For those of you that, you know, maybe you would say, you know what, I'm investigating Christianity right now, or I've got lots of questions, or I'm not sure what I believe about this or about anything right now. Uh, What I want to do is I want to give you four unchanging truths that I would just say are critical to our faith in Jesus Christ. And as you hear these, what I want to challenge you to do is this. I want you to consider for yourself the difference that they might make in your life and the difference that they might make even starting right here today, right now. So John chapter 3, as I mentioned at the top, um, we're going to start with a very familiar passage, verse 16, and then continue on uh, to verse 18. John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Jesus said this. He said, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. These are words that Jesus spoke to and shared with a Jewish Pharisee, a very devout Jewish leader, a man by the name of Nicodemus. And so what I want to do again is I want to identify four unchanging truths that we can see right here about our faith, again, that come from Jesus and from his words. The first one is this, we have one God. All right, when we think about these unchanging truths of our faith, we want to point out right from the beginning that there is one God, and He is our Creator. Uh, we also know Him as Judge. And so when Jesus said, God so loved the world, Nicodemus knew that He was referring to the God of Genesis chapter 1. He was referring to the God who created all things. Um, our family took a trip to Yellowstone uh, this past fall uh, for fall break, and uh, we flew into Bozeman, Montana. And uh, if you know anything of Montana at all, what's, what's the nickname, one of the nicknames of Montana? Anybody know what it is? Big Sky Country, right? All right. And, uh, and so it's known for its big sky. Well, we, we spent the first day uh, of our trip in the Paradise Valley uh, at a place called Chico Hot Springs. And uh, it's just a, a beautiful sight. It's really hard to describe. It's one of those things that you just got to see. But there's a mountain range on each side. Again, the valley runs down the middle. And I'll tell you, on a beautiful day, and it was a beautiful day when we were there, you just stand out there and you can see for miles. And as you look up into the sky, I mean, you can just see as far, you know, as your eye will uh, 
allow you to see them. You, in that moment, you understand why Montana is known as the big sky country. And uh, man, when you see a site like that, whether it be in Montana or you know, somewhere else. I, I'm sure there's a place like that in Indiana that, that you could describe as beautiful like this. But, you know, when you see it, I mean, don't you ever ask yourself, I mean, where does this all come from? Like, who put this here? How did this all come to be? It was the Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. The writer says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Here, here in John chapter 3, Nicodemus knew that Jesus was talking about God. He was talking about God, the creator, but he also knew and realized that Jesus was talking about the very same God who is also judge. And so this is the same God who called Moses to the top of Mount Sinai and gave him the 10 commandments of which one says, you should have no other gods, but me. And no one, when we think about God, I mean, no one likes to think about the judgment of God, or as Jesus explained here in this passage, uh, the difference between those who are condemned uh, and those who are saved, or uh, those who will spend eternity in hell and those who will spend eternity with God in heaven. I mean, it's a tough truth to face. And some will say it's arrogant, and others will say it's intolerant. Some will say it's hate speech. Some will say it's a big problem with Christianity today. But it's a reality we have to face. We have to face it. Um, I, I ran the uh, Carmel half marathon uh, last week, one week ago. Anybody participate in the, any of the Carmel uh, races here? A couple of you. And uh, I, I'm not crazy enough to do the marathon, but uh, did the half. And a uh, great race, uh, very well organized. Starts uh, downtown right by the Palladium. You go uh, east on 126th Street. Uh, make your way out and eventually turn south and wander around a little bit before coming back north, making your way all the way up to 131st Street where you turn left and then right on gray and you go north again before turning left on Smoky Row. And you go down a little bit and turn right on Cary, uh, make your way down Cary to 146th Street, hit the sidewalk there, turn left and make your way right by Dunkin' Donuts, which is very tempting at that point in the race, uh, and turn left on the Hagenberg Trail. And you wind around on that trail before eventually coming out on Smoky Row again, make your way down Smoky Row down here by the hospital, hit the roundabout, come up Old Meridian. Genesis Church had a water station there that was well-placed, a uh, great moment uh, in the race. Uh, but you finally turn left, make your way down Main Street once again, turn right on Rangeline before finally turning right there on 126, right by the Palladium, uh, and there's the finish line. I tell you all that to say again, it, it was a well-organized race, all laid out step by step. Here's the thing that I didn't hear uh, in the race. I didn't hear anybody say, no, it's pretty intolerant. Uh, of the race officials to say that you got to run this course as it's specifically designed. But it's the truth. If you want to uh, be considered a qualified runner with a qualifying time, you have to run the race as it has been laid out. But again, to my knowledge, no one protested that, man, I can't believe there's only one way to run this race. How, how arrogant uh, are the officials? See, here's the thing. This, this world that we live in, it belongs to God. He created it. And I guess if you don't like it, you can go start your own universe, all right, uh, if, if you'd prefer. Uh, but he established the rules, and I won't pretend to understand it all, but it's his world. And the unchanging truth for us is this. We've got one God, and he is both creator and judge, and that means that all gods, all other gods, are false. 
Uh, Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He said, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. Paul was just basically saying, hey, he placed eternity in the hearts of all people. So we're going to go look for meaning. We're going to go searching for significance in anything. All right, there are so many options out there. But Paul says this, but yet for us, there's one God. There's one answer. There's one Father from whom all things came and for who we live. And there is but one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came and through whom we live. And right here, Paul opens the door for our second unchanging truth. And it's this, that not only do we have one God, but we have one Savior. Uh, There is one Savior for us. And in that, Jesus is completely unique. And he points that out in his conversation with Nicodemus. Pick it up in John chapter 3, again, verse 16. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so what's Jesus saying to Nicodemus here? He says, God gave his one and only Son. Jesus is referring to himself here. Uh, I just want you to note the very unique claim that he is making to his, his deity. And, and this claim uh, is going to create a lot of conflict for Jesus. I mean, for this reason, the Pharisees are going to go to great lengths to try and kill him because they're not real keen on him uh, claiming to be God. But this won't stop Jesus for saying it as it is. And not only was he unique in his claim to be God, but he's also unique uh, in what we call the atonement. Now, the word atonement describes how we can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. And how did Jesus go about this? Well, this scripture describes for us how he was arrested and how he was tortured and how he was nailed to a cross before, raising, before resurrecting from the dead. I mean, you see, someone had to die for sin. Someone had to pay the price. Someone had to pay the penalty for sin. And Jesus did that for us. But his death wasn't a martyr's death. What's different about Jesus' death is that we call it an atoning death or a substitutionary death. See, for Jesus, he did it willingly. Now, how do we know he did this willingly? Well, we see it in his words. We see it in words like John chapter 10, verse 11, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Again, this is just Jesus' way of saying, I I lay down my life voluntarily uh, for the people, for you and me uh, in this world. I mean, what what kind of God does that? Uh, what, What kind of Savior does that? What kind of God would give up his son? What kind, of, what kind of Savior would lay down his life? And having lived a sinless life, Jesus was the only one qualified for such a sacrifice. And no other religious leader in all of history could do something like that. Uh, theologi- the- theologian uh, R.C. Sproul says like this, he says, Moses could meditate on the law. Uh, Muhammad could brandish a sword. Buddha could give personal counsel. Confucius could offer wise sayings. But none of these men was qualified to offer atonement for the sins of the world. Jesus alone is qualified. Uh, He's the the one that the writer Isaiah describes in Isaiah uh, 53 verse 4. He describes Jesus as by saying, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. My family, we uh, made a little road trip about a month or so ago up to northern Indiana on a Thursday night uh, for a baptism service. 
uh, we went up to a, a church that we've gotten to know. Uh, my brother-in-law was getting baptized, and it was a really special uh, evening uh, for our family and a lot of tears that were shed because, uh, well, part of the rest of the story is a little over a year ago, um, our brother-in-law, Matt, hit rock bottom uh, in his life. And his family, uh, his wife and kids really were in crisis as it became known that Matt had been hiding a substance addiction uh, for several years. And in his efforts to come off uh, of that medicine, he went through some very severe withdrawal. And man, there were so many details to the story as his wife uh, not only discovered this addiction, but also just, you know, problems with money and lots of things and secrets that had been hidden for a really long time. And if I'm honest with you, um, I would just say uh, I had very little hope in his recovery a little over a year ago. And uh, he had been very opposed to church and anything faith as long as I've ever known him. But this time of hitting rock bottom and his addiction becoming known led Matt uh, to getting some professional help. And through that professional help, I can say that he is in recovery and God is healing uh, these physical wounds in his life. But I also want you to know that uh, not too long after he entered professional help, he also took some steps into a church in northern Indiana and he met a pastor and he met people like you who loved him and accepted him. And uh, over the past year, uh, surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Uh, his family has come back together. Uh, God is not only transforming Matt's life, but he's transforming his wife's life. And I know he's going to do that with his children. And so you better believe that we got in the car and drove up there to that baptism service. And uh, not only that, and we had to miss this next part, but on Easter weekend, he sat on a stage like this with his pastor and shared his story uh, for the whole church uh, to hear. And again, I just tell you that it's been amazing to not only see the recovery again that he's making physically, but also how God is hearing him, healing him spiritually. And again, how he has found victory in Jesus Christ. See, the fact is that by his wounds, we are healed. And by the wounds of Jesus Christ, I know that many of you here today would raise your hand and you'd say, you know what, I am healed or I am being healed. And for those of you that have never responded to his love before, his wounds have paid the price. His wounds have power, you know, and healing uh, for you and me. And it's so true. And it uh, may be true for some of you starting today. See, the cross of Jesus makes all the difference. The cross is what distinguishes Christianity from all other faiths and all other philosophies and all other belief systems. Paul again says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. He says, By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain for what I passed on to you as of first importance. Here's what it is. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. See, here's the thing. Christianity is just not some other philosophy or path to heaven. It's history for us. All right, we say we believe that these things really happen. Christianity is not just some system of morals. It's the worship of a real person, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, these unchanging truths for us. We believe we have one God, we have one Savior. The third thing is that there's one way. 
See, there is one way. There is only one way to God. And I believe that it's so important that we see this and acknowledge this because there's this growing belief in our world today and even within some churches, you know, right, in some segments of Christianity too. And it's this idea, it's this false belief that since Christ died and therefore paid the price of the sins of this world, that salvation is automatically credited to everyone, no matter what you believe. All right, no matter how you believe, and we call this universalism, all right? And the message of universalism is that everyone will be saved in the end. Again, no matter what you believe, everyone's going to, to spend eternal life with God in heaven. But I got to tell you, it's false, all right? Again, it's a lie. It's deception on the part of the evil one. And some people like to put words in Jesus' mouth and say that, he's made, that he made these claims. But again, read it for yourself. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 18. These are the very words of our Savior. He says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But notice the line he draws when he says, but whoever does not believe stands condemned and already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, here's the thing. We are saved. All right, by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved from the, from the consequences of our sin by trusting Jesus. We, we can find peace with God only through faith in Jesus Christ. We can experience forgiveness of our sins and purpose and the gift of eternal life as we put our faith, as we put our trust in Jesus. Now, some other religions say this. Uh, there are other religions that say that if you want to get to God, then you have to do something. You've got to earn your way. But it's our God that says with Jesus, it's already been done for you. That Jesus has made the way for us. He is our Savior and He is the only way to God. Do you know that the Buddhists have a very similar story uh, to the prodigal son story that Jesus tells uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke. But there's a big difference. Uh, there's a very stark difference. For example, in the, in the Buddhist story, when the wayward son comes home, he has to work. All right? He has to re-enter servitude uh, to the father and even for a number of years to earn the favor of the father once again so that he can be reinstated to the family. But in Jesus' story of the prodigal son, and some of you, maybe many of you know that story. As the son comes home humbly in repentance, the father embraces him and immediately restores him to the family. See, there's a big difference. With Buddhism, you have to earn your way to God. With Christianity, it's a gift. It's a gift to those who will believe. And for the prodigal son, salvation is found immediately in Christ. And to those who will humbly say, I'm a sinner, but I'm putting my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. Paul said it like this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Where does it ultimately come from? It's by God's grace. It's his riches at the expense of Jesus extended to us through faith. All right, that's what we bring to it. All right, you have to choose to believe. He's not going to force his will on you. He's not going to force his love on you. You get to choose to receive it for yourself. He says it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, there is only one way to God. It's through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, which leads us to our last truth this morning, and that is that there is only one hope in this world. There's only one hope for you. There's only one hope for your life, one hope for forgiveness, one hope for uh, healing, one hope for purpose, one hope for eternal life. And the same is true right now for your friend who doesn't know the Lord. Uh, the same is true for uh, your spouse who maybe doesn't know Christ. 
uh, or your children, uh, your coworker, that neighbor that God has put you uh, next to. The same is true for your mother or your father. There is one hope. That one hope is Jesus Christ. Your, your friend at school right now has one hope. That second baseman uh, on your baseball team has one hope. We've got one hope. Our only hope is in Jesus. We, that for the people that we serve as a church, you know, here locally, the students we buy school supplies for, the homeless people that we're helping to feed in Indy right now, there's one hope. That one hope is in Jesus. And it's true of those uh, people in places that we get the opportunity to serve. And some of you have traveled to places like Haiti and Albania and Myanmar and Ukraine. There's one hope. Our one hope is in Jesus Christ. Again, here's a reminder for us. Our goal is not to win arguments. All right? You know, the goal of today is not to, to gather for yourself some ammunition, you know, that you can go take to someone else. Our goal is not to win arguments. Our motivation is to win people to Christ to share his love with others so that there may be some that will find their way back to God. See, the reality that you and I have to face today is that people are dying. And for some of them, their eternal existence is separation from God and hell. And that's got to unsettle us. All right, as I heard somebody say one time, like, how much would you have to hate someone to not share your faith or the hope that you have in Jesus Christ? Because there is only one hope for us in this world. And that's why we need to be intentional in our relationships. Uh, those relationships that we're building, those relationships, those people that you're praying for right now. It's why we need to pray and pray specifically for people around us, you know, who don't know the Lord. It's why we've got to be good listeners. Uh, it's why as Christians and as a church, we've got to be the very best at loving people that God has put us around, the people that we're serving. And it's why we have to know what we believe and why we believe it. And I don't have to tell you this, but we live in a very confused world right now. We live in a very confused culture. People that are confused spiritually, people that are confused sexually, people that are confused about their purpose in life or where all of this leads or where to find answers to their questions. The hope that we have, there is one hope for the people that God is putting around you and in your life right now. And that one hope is Jesus Christ. And for some of you today, you need to acknowledge right now that you don't have this hope. And uh, man, you're gambling with your life right now. Just assuming that, well, I'll figure it out one day or it might be in something else or I'm going to look for my hope or my purpose in this. Can I just ask you this question? If you were to die today, do you have confidence in where you would spend eternity? Do you know where you would spend eternity? I want you to know this. You can with Jesus. You can know confidently with Jesus. And for some of you this morning, you need to resolve this conflict in your life once and for all right now today and not put it off any longer. In fact, I'll go as far to say, I, I believe it's the very reason why some of you are here today to hear this truth once again, to present it with the opportunity to respond to it, to say to the Lord, to say to God, it's time for me to trust your son, Jesus Christ, as my way, as my hope, and as my savior. And not only to believe, but to be baptized, maybe to be baptized next Sunday as a way of saying, you know, I'm going public with my faith and my trust in Jesus. One more verse, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It's spelled out very clearly in what we can do to take this next step into relationship with God. Paul says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Will you just bow your heads with me for just a moment? And as you do, I just want to ask you this. If you were to die today, do you have any idea where you would spend eternity? And for some of you right now, you don't know the answer to that. Or maybe you know where you stand in all of this right now. And, and maybe you'd say, you know what, I'm, I've been opposed to God. 
I've been pushing back. I've been delaying. I've been putting this off. Can I just challenge you today? Can I push back today and say, don't put it off any longer. Don't put it off any longer. God gave his son for you. And man, to even see yourself in that story, the story of the prodigal son of coming home humbly today and to hear Jesus say to you, you are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. You belong to this family. And if you're ready to respond to the Lord today, if you're ready to reach out to him and to trust him as your Lord and Savior, let's just pray these words that Paul prayed a moment ago. You can pray them silently or you can pray them to your, uh, out loud if you like, but just pray. Pray these very words. Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord of my life. I am trusting you today. I'm believing in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Forgive me of my sins and give me confidence today that I will spend eternity with you. And Father, we thank you for those that are reaching out right now. We thank you those for, for those that are praying these prayers. And there might be somebody here today that's feeling like, you know, did I pray it right? Or does God know that, that this is true? He knows. He knows the condition of your heart. And, and so, Father, I pray in just very special ways and very personal ways you would reach back out to those who are reaching out to you today. And you would touch their life. Father, we know that in every person that responds to you, there's a great celebration that goes on in heaven. We're going to celebrate here as best as we can uh, next weekend. And let me just say this as we pray. If you've reached out to the Lord today, uh, will you tell somebody? Uh, maybe maybe meet somebody up front afterwards. I'll be up here. We'll have others up here and you can reach out to someone or uh, maybe there's someone that invited you today and so you might let them know the decision that you've made. Man, don't keep it a secret. Uh, reach out to someone who can help you now in thinking about next steps uh, for your life. And Lord, for the rest of us, uh, Father, we pray that you would continue to humble us. We pray that you would increase our love and compassion for others. Lord, we know that our goal, the goal is not to win arguments. The goal is to win people to Christ. And so, Father, help us to live out our lives and live out our faith for others to see with love, with hope, and with passion, always ready to share the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to celebrate communion uh, together in just a moment. But look at those words one more time. And it was Jesus that said, for God so loved that he gave. He loved the world and so he gave. I mean, the entire gospel comes to focus in this one verse that God's love is not just for a certain group of individuals, but it is offered freely to the whole world to respond to. And how is that love expressed? He gave his son who gave his life so that we could live. And that's what we remember and reflect on every time we take communion together. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to get up from your seats if you'd like and come to one of these tables up front or in the back and take the cup. Uh, don't be surprised to find that it's actually two cups. Take both of those cups. The crackers in the bottom, the juice is in the top. We take these elements as a, remember, a way of remembering that Christ gave his life, that we have victory, that we have a reason for passion and for love and compassion uh, to go out and to live our lives uh, in this world. And so as you take that today, I hope you'll remember and pray and give thanks for what Christ has done for you. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, please don't feel pressured by this time. Feel free to remain in your seats. The band's going to play, and then we'll close out in singing one more song together. But you can get up from your seats now and go to one of these tables.